Hi, everybody. Back with a good friend, Mike Cernovich. We have a lurid, dastardly, devious, and potentially demonic tale to tell you tonight. And the moral of the story, or the morals, I suppose, can scarcely be believed. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time today. Yeah, it's a, it's a, this reminds me of um, what is becoming a more common assertion or whatever you want to call it saying, where I, what we're about to talk about does not sound true. It just doesn't. It, yeah, and it really, it's so unbelievably lurid. And what strikes me as, I don't know, arguable police misconduct resulting in the death of another young man is uh, absolutely jaw-dropping. So I guess we'll stop teasing and start talking. Let's talk about Ed Buck. Yeah, Ed Buck is a name that everyone should know about and most people don't know about. And it's so bizarre and so weird and also so well-documented that it's kind of hard to comprehend. We do know for a fact that a few things about Ed Buck. He was a wealthy, high-level Democrat donor. And there's pictures of him with Ted Lieu and Adam Schiff and Hillary Clinton. This is not a random person. And two African-American men have died in his house in a way that is, again, utterly bizarre. So maybe you can take it from here so I don't go X-rated off the bat. <laughs> okay, so it's within the span of 18 months. And that just strikes me as more than coincidental. So <sighs> there was one in July of 2017, and then there was one in January of this year, of, of 2019, and I'll just read from, from the article, and then we'll go into what it means. A dead man was found early Monday in the Los Angeles area apartment of the Democratic fundraiser, Ed Buck, authorities said. The second time a body has been discovered in his home in the past last year and a half. The dead man, whose identity wasn't disclosed, was found at 1.05 a.m. in Buck's apartment in West Hollywood after someone called 911, said Los Angeles County Sheriff's Deputy Charles Moore, who said that while the Homicide Bureau was investigating, the cause of death remained unknown. The federal election records show that Buck, who's 63, who has advocated for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender issue for decades, has donated more than $53,000 to Democratic candidates and to the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee since 2008. In July 2017, authorities cleared Buck in the death of Jamel Moore, 26, a gay male escort whose body was found in the same apartment after investigators declared his death to have been the result of an accidental overdose of crystal meth amphetamine. Now, what is really quite astonishing is that according to a woman who's looked deeply into this case, I'll put all links to this below, Ed Buck appears to have had some sort of bizarre sexual fetish for picking up young black gay sex workers and then paying them extra to inject themselves with hardcore drugs. And this was his kick, his thing, and it's absolutely astounding that you can skate off this stuff, it would seem to me, for $50,000 and change. I mean, that, it's, it always strikes me how little money, I mean, that's a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but relative to what's been going on in this guy's apartment, it seems like kind of chump change. Yeah, and more so in terms of his kink, there's a whole fetish because a th uh, there's a third man who escaped, oh, I'm sorry, here comes Syrah. Okay, sorry, she missed. Don't have to okay. apologize for parenting, man, no problem you missed, at all. You missed a memo, 
You're supposed to be with mom, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yes, dad's right here. Hi, you want to say hi to Stefan? Oh, here you go. Hi, Sarah. Hi. I'm sorry for borrowing your father. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Can you go with mom? Okay. <laughs> okay. You got to go. I'm going to be right back, okay? I'll be done in just one second. She's got her whole family here, so don't feel too bad for her. The black iPad's in the house. Go get the black iPad in the house. I'll show you. Come on. Black iPad. Yeah, go to the black iPad in the house. Oh, <laughs> uh, your camera just nudged a bit. Okay. That's a, such a great age. Here we go. We actually just, sorry, just, I'll cut all this shit out, but we just dug up my daughter's videos from that age uh, because after seeing Syra at that age, it's like, oh, what a great age that was. Anyway. Okay. It's so fun. Yeah, it's the perfect age. All right. So we'll, we'll fade back in. Uh, yeah, there was apparently a third potential victim who got away and there was an article about a third sex worker who got away and the fetish goes the fetish appears to be as such and this is what i pieced together from uh, other journalists and other reports he dresses them up in long johns very tight long johns and again this is i'm sure people listening are gonna say wait what are you talking about yeah this is all documented source there are pictures of it and he dresses them up in long johns and he encourages them to inject crystal methamphetamines, and his kink is watching them inject meth and get either high on meth or potentially die. One man died due to it. Uh, another man came over and died, and Ed Buck claimed that the, it was an old friend of his who just happened to go over there. But then a coroner's report revealed that he didn't call 911 for 15 minutes after the, the injection had occurred. And then a third man came forward and said, no, there's actually a bunch of us. We all kind of know to avoid that guy. And he has this very elaborate fetish where they come over, they put on skin-tight, white, long-john underwear, and then inject crystal meth. And you're thinking, you know, this can't possibly be true, right? This is utterly, absolutely bizarre. But this has all been documented. It's very well sourced. This isn't a couple people on the internet making stuff up. Well, and... There's some documented evidence. There's this woman named Kenick, uh, who I talked about before, and this is a, a quote from an article since Moore's death. Kenick has collected a trove of information in an attempt to make the case that Ed Buck is a, quote, predator, end quote, who preys on down-in-their-luck black men by inviting them to his apartment and suggesting they try methamphetamine injections or slamming. And, and i got to tell you, there's <laughs> a whole bunch of underlined tones. That I really had terms I had to really look up uh, at this point. So Kanick conducted interviews with first-hand sources, men who said they went to Buck's apartment for paid sex and drugs, several of whom told her that Buck offered them more money for the chance to administer an injection of crystal methamphetamine, the most dangerous way to take a dangerous drug. All of her reports are published on her personal website. She also published journal entries from Jemel Moore in which he writes that Buck gave him his first meth injections and got him addicted. Kanick published photographs and videos taken by the men who said... They were taken inside Buck's apartment that corroborate key details from the initial death report and contemporaneous journals. A rolling red toolbox filled with sex toys and drug paraphernalia, a sportswear fetish, and an aversion to sexual intercourse. And that is, again, I'm, I'm not a cop. I'm not a DA. I'm not a prosecutor. But it seems like some stuff should be <laughs> looked into here. Like, get some people on the beat, go interview uh, people, see if you can find a pattern of behavior. Uh, I mean, I just don't, I mean, is it just the, the Democrat privilege? I mean, this is truly astonishing stuff. And of course, 
the fact that it is a, a white man preying upon vulnerable, down on their luck, potentially homeless young black men. Where, where, where is the? Is it just you and I who are bothered by this? I mean, it's astonishing. Yeah, the the lack of mainstream interest, especially, was troublesome after the first death, and then after the second death, they did the obligatory coverage, but it isn't the sort of wall-to-wall stuff. And this is only being handled at sort of the the social justice kind of journalistic beat, but not the SJWs, the actual people who care about these issues. And, you know, another example for, we're seeing now the intersectionality implosion where black male victims are, the left does not care about them. We saw this, there's a, a potentially a major false rape case out of Kansas where a guy got 12 years in prison, a black man, for essentially hooking up with a girl at a party and it doesn't sound real. And the, the left-wing media beat who obsesses over you and everything you tweeted today and everything you know anybody tweeted today, they're, they're nowhere on this. And that's one of the weird, not weird, but it's one of those patterns that you notice is, hey, I get it if you want to be a Twitter cop and, and report every kind of offensive tweet you see, but hey, there's a couple dead bodies you can't fly out there. You can't interview some people. You can't talk to people in the community. You can't do a fully developed report on it. You can't do a video report on it. There's been no real interest among the the so-called you know truth-seeking press about this story, and that's why it again has went away after the first one. Then there was a second body, and then it was covered for a day or two, and now it's forgotten again. Okay, so let's talk about all of the flags that this should be raising in front of the charging bulls of the leftist outrage mob, right? I mean, you've got a very rich, this guy was a millionaire by the time he was 32. This is Ed Buck. He's, you know, reportedly been preying on these young men. Uh, he, he may be forcibly or enticing them with money to get them addicted to drugs. You've got two deaths. So he's like a rich, white guy preying on young. They always talk about marginalized and vulnerable populations. This is the textbook definition of that. These young Black men, some of whom, of course, I'm sure have have STDs and and they may have, they're homeless. So who knows what's going on because we don't have the reports. But this is every conceivable red flag for the charging social justice warrior bulls. Rich guy preying upon marginalized community. They end up dead. Police in action. Black lives matter. Like this, you couldn't design if you wanted to something that you think would be a better bait. For this and a just and fair bait. I mean, these guys are dying like flies in this guy's apartment. There's documented evidence, uh, uh, you know, not as a conclusive. I don't know. I'd like to see some more investigation, but this is everywhere and nobody's picking it up. And that's because I think, and I think we all know, not just because this guy gave 50 large and change to Democrats and, and Ted Lieu and a couple of others have returned his donations, but because of where it leads. Where does it lead? And who knows what? And who took what money? And who's in whose photographs? They just seems to me just want to seal the whole damn thing up. Yeah. And I think there the, also there's no hook. One thing I found with the modern media is unless there's an anti-MAGA hook, they just don't really care. Everything is now culture. It used to be, this is a bit like you think about this and I think about it in terms of this is a big story. What the heck is going on here? But unless there's an anti-Trump hook, then the media just doesn't care. Well, if we solve this case, could it be used to harm Trump? 
No, and actually, somebody might politicize it in a way that might be bad for you know Adam Schiff or Ted Lieu or someone else. So therefore, we'll just pretend that it doesn't exist. And stories like these really do show the utter callousness of the media when it comes to real death, real harm, real tragedies, and real stories. Mike, you're just a little bit getting dark there. Do you have a light you can flip on somewhere over there? Yeah. You're starting to get that U-boat look. We'll put a few sonar pings in. Have a couple of fish swim by in the back. Yeah, it's better, yeah. That's funny. We're going to have like three different angles now in the video. The <laughs> That's one all right. And, no, you, yeah. were starting to look, uh, you were starting to look like the 4chan troll in your, in your right. movie. And <laughs> silence, yeah. So let's, uh, yeah, so I'm glad you brought up this case that I did read up about after you tweeted about it. This uh, young black man sent uh, up the river for, for 12 years for something that looks like, if it was even achieved at all, took only five minutes. And I wonder if you can just give people a little bit of information about this, because this seems to me like uh, something that could use a second look as well. Yeah, there was a young man, a college student, who went to a, a bar. That, when I was in college, you call them hookup bars. I guess you're not allowed to say that anymore because that's rape culture or whatever, but there are certain bars that there are hookup bars. People go there to, to look to you know do things that college people do, and that was normal human behavior for the past, I don't know, a couple decades. He meets her. She's seen on video leading him to the Boom Boom Room, which is the makeout room. And if you actually do research into that place, people have openly fornicated in it. It's a very, you know, it's the kind of place you go to, to meet people and whatever, have a little carnal fun. Then there's surveillance tape showing them leaving together. Not She's not stumbling, falling down or anything. They go to his house. They seem to have been there for about five or ten minutes, but you know, people are trying to put that together, piece that together. Uh, they leave. And next thing you know, he's accused of rape, and he drops out of college. He goes to trial. He's convicted of rape. Um, no DNA evidence indicating that fornication even happened, nothing to indicate it, and 12 years in prison. And that's it. This is a very uh, shoddy case. And the reason it came to me, which is unusual, I had multiple people come to me, and they were lefties. And they go, we've been sending this to Sean King. We've been sending this to all the like Black Lives Matter people and nobody will touch it. You know, what is going on? And I go, well, I hate to break it to you, but to the modern left, black men are just men now and they just don't care. And that just the, the way it is now. And that's the same thing, too, with the Ed Buck thing. The victims are, are black men and they're viewed by the left as, well, you know, that's men, whatever happens to men, they just don't really care about. So well, there's this. Yeah. So, but when you think about, I mean, I sort of contrast this in my mind to the Covington kids debacle, right? And, and that's, of course, because the, we all know that the real red flag is the MAGA hat, right? So you've got a bunch of Covington right. kids sitting there waiting for a bus to pick them up. And then, you, you, well, everybody knows, and I've done whole videos on this. You've done shows on this. We all know how that played out. If you look at the outrage over a kid who's clearly uncomfortable and trying to make the best of a bad situation as this uh, fellow is uh, banging the drum in his face, Nathan Phillips... And you look at that level of outrage and wall-to-wall -wall coverage and attack and brutality on children, children not even legally allowed to drive, and you compare that to two drug-addled dead bodies in a rich white guy's apartment, it really does feel like, a, to, to put it, to say clown world has become a bit of a cliche, but if that clown is it from Stephen King's novel, I'm, I'm there. Like, that's sort of where we are. 
Yeah, I was thinking a lot about this story today as, you know, because I knew we were going to do this podcast tonight. And you, you try to find a non-evil explanation for this kind of stuff. And I have a number of hypotheses that may or may not be true. But one is that the people have just sort of lost their sense of proportion. So to them, Roseanne made a bad joke. That's outrageous. Two black men died at Ed Buck's house. That's outrageous. Wouldn't be outraged about tomorrow. And, and there's no sense of, well, no, 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 no. Actually, a bad tweet and two dead people are not even in the same stadium, right? No, no, they're, they're not the same. A, a bad joke, an offensive remark. This isn't even remotely in the ballpark of what's happening in Ed Buck. But journalists, their brains, they just live online and everything to them is just like a dopamine hit. Roseanne, bad. We're mad. Covington, oh, I'm mad at them. Two dead people are, are uh, or two dead black men. Oh, I'm mad at Ed Buck for like a half an hour, but now tomorrow, Trump wants to bust in people, so I'm mad. I'm mad at that now, and they're they don't lack moral gradation. They don't lack the ability to sense like, well, this is proportionally this is as bad as it gets. Because if they did have a sense of proportion, they would have thought twice before going after the Covington kids who are 15 years old, right? So if you're even going to be mad, you're like, well, I'm really mad at them, but they're 15. But you had people like Reza Aslan saying, well, we need to beat these kids up. But then now they're saying quoting a congresswoman is inciting violence. And you're just like, whoa, 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 like, hold on. 15-year-old kid, member of Congress, supported by the media. They're not even in the same range, right? And, and I think that's the problem with a lot of the journalists' brains. Are they, don't, they, don't, they don't have moral. They don't have morality. So if you have morality, the sign of a moral thinker and a moral reasoner is that you can say, well, sure, every, there's a lot of things that are bad happening, but not everything is bad. There's this is heinous and this is kind of bad and you should maybe do something about it. And the left, they don't have any morality. And because of that, they can't filter and properly categorize and assign the level of seriousness that should be assigned to something like Ed Buck. Well, but they do assign seriousness, as you know, right? They, they assigned enormous seriousness to the Jesse Smollett case. They assigned enormous seriousness to the Covington uh, situation and so on. So they certainly can. It's not like they're, you know, like there's some theories of, of uh, lack of concentration or certain maybe certain kinds of autism where you can't filter out. Everything comes at you at the same level and you can't filter out and you can't concentrate. But well, they don't have that because they really do have the capacity to dive in and, and dedicate themselves. You know, you've got... The, the reporter's gunning after you. I've got the reporter's gunning after me. And they've got this monomania. Oh, he tweeted something. Oh, my God, let's go find... Like, they can, re they can stick it through. They can drive things through. So I don't know that it's just, like, squirrel, you know, like some new distraction. I think it's, um, well, it's political. It's something that you said months ago that kind of haunted me and still does from time to time. Like, we live in an Nietzschean universe. It's all will to power. It's got nothing to do with ethics. Yeah, there, yeah, there is nothing to do with ethics. And there's... Also, there again, I do think it's something with their brain, though, where because they don't actually go out to the real world and do real journalism, they don't have any appreciation for what they're seeing. Everything's like a video game to them. You got to remember, most of these so-called reporters are, you know, 25 years old mm. and they're just like video game players where they're just mad about something on the Internet because to them, the internet is as real as people dying and they don't understand. I'll, I mean, I'll give you another example to kind of illustrate this thinking. There was a video game streamer and they were live streaming in real life. And then one of them 
convinced another one of them to pull a gun on somebody because there was a fight and an altercation and everything and they were in Florida. And in their own mind, they didn't realize you're pulling a gun on someone. This is not, this is a very serious thing that you're doing. But a lot of the people who live on the internet don't have any sense of, no, this is actually a very serious thing that you're about to do. There are very serious consequences to this. And you can't just say, well, that, you know, there was going to be a fight and one of them might have got, you know, punched or something. But it did, certainly didn't justify pulling a gun. And I've noticed that with a lot of people who live online, regardless of their politics, they don't appreciate the seriousness of their own actions and they don't appreciate the seriousness of what is happening in the world. So, you know, for example, Ed Buck, if, you know, two people dying in his house, this is a very serious thing to people who don't live on the internet. You're like, wow, two dead bodies, they get dressed up in long johns and injecting meth and one guy got away. Sounds like a serial killer. This is like a terrifying thing. But to people on the internet, that's just the latest thing they're looking at, they're mad at. And now they're going to go look at your tweets and try to find something mad to be mad at you about. And then in their mind, like, oh, wow, this is these are just as bad. Or even in many cases, they act like whatever you said today is worse. It's like, no, no, no. There are a couple dead people here. Why don't you why don't you go take a look at that people? And in their minds, I don't think that they just appreciate it. But but maybe I'm being too charitable. Yeah, maybe you're being too charitable. I think also one of the things that I've kind of noticed is that. It's almost like a mark of uh, uh, that you're a good, decent person if you're attacked, right? Because look, if Ed Buck is as dangerous as some people say he is, certainly as, as the guy who got away and the, the word on the street in, in the neighborhood say he is, then, you know, maybe there's some risk in, involved in that, you know, like getting mad at your tweet or my tweet, you know, well, not, not dead people showing up in our place on a regular basis. So it's almost like, well... I can vent my frustration and my anger and my thwarted whatever on these guys because they're reasonable people and they might make sort of a video mocking me, but, you know, there's not bodies raiding down from the sky in their vicinity. So I do think that there's a fair amount of just, yeah, the most reasonable uh, get the most attacked because the least reasonable have the least to fear from them. Yeah, there's, well, what you touch on is actually... Something that I've, I can't remember where I heard it first, but if, right when you hear it, it makes total sense, which is if you were really afraid of Christians, you would never do the Book of Mormon because you would not be allowed to do the Book of Muhammad in New York. We know what happens if you do uh, a satire of Islam. Pamela Geller experienced that firsthand. So we're always told, oh my God, these Christians, we're so afraid of them, but we're going to go make fun of them and ridicule them. Or they're like, oh my God, Molyneux is so dangerous and scary, but Nobody who comes to an event is like threatened. The threats are all Antifa outside. One of the greatest juxtapositions of all time actually was with, you know, we did a big event in New York and one of these left wing rags said angry white men party inside, you know, in New York or whatever. And it was like, well, it wasn't a bunch of angry white men, but be that as it may, there was actual deadly attack outside by a white man. Yeah. So there were angry white men and they were out there with Antifa but it, but in their mind, you know, oh, they're they're so dangerous inside that I can go mingle among them, and Chelsea Manning can mingle among them, and nothing. She doesn't even get misgendered or whatever. Like nobody was even mean to her, and that that's also they feel like they're doing something risky and dangerous. But they are absolutely gutless cowards. They they never take on anybody who like Ed Buck, who actually has connections, or who indeed may in fact be quite dangerous. Well, and that's. 
that view from inside and outside the Night for Freedom in New York was really astounding. Inside was a serious blast. Great music uh, from Milton Cooks. There was uh, Owen Benjamin cracking everyone up with his comedy. Uh, I gave a speech where I ripped my jacket off, threw it into the crowd and bellowed for peace, love and reason. And then I spent four or five hours hugging people and listening to their stories about how philosophy had changed their lives for the better. That that was the inside of the environment. And outside, people are screaming, you want a red pill? How about a lead pill? So inside, there's love, there's joy, there's positivity, there's hugs, uh, there's friendliness, there's curiosity. Outside, there's death threats and uh, a vicious assault upon a man. Right. And and that's what, that's the juxtaposition to these reporters or so-called, because they're not really reporters, they're just little bloggers with an agenda. They don't go after people who are actually dangerous. They don't, they're not going to go report negatively on Antifa. They're not going to report on Ed Buck. They're going to, you know, they want to sit on their computers and report on whatever, you know, mean tweets happen to be. And, you know, again, and maybe I'm just too charitable by not, it could just be that they're evil agents, right? The least, the least charitable thing is they do want us all in gulags and they, they are just really bad people, nasty people. And they just don't care about Ed Buck. They don't care about two black people being killed because maybe they want to kill other people. Who knows at this point, because the way, here's the way I kind of look at things more and more is it's like, okay, you're on the internet all day tweeting about how you're mad at whatever conservative you're mad at that day. But you, you're not talking about Ed Buck. But you know it's happening because you read us, right? So it's like you, if you follow you or me obsessively, you've seen Ed Buck. If you're whining about whatever we said today, then that's proof that you know all about Ed Buck, but you're not saying anything about Ed Buck. At some point, that does become a tacit endorsement, in my view, because you can't talk about that. Just like the same thing with Julian Assange. All these people, oh, poor Ben Shapiro. Uh, he's such a bully, even though he's got billionaires backing him, literal billionaires backing him. Um, oh, well, you know, college kid was mean to him. It's like, okay, what about Assange? They're putting him in jail, right? So I don't well, think he's, it's... He's, uh, he's, he's slowly gone. I mean, I would assume he's slowly gone right. insane. What is it? Seven years, eight years, something like that. He was locked in this room uh, in, in the Ecuadorian... Uh, embassy, and I, I think he was allowed out sometimes. But you know, the reports are that you know I don't know if they're true or not because you know Ecuador just got what four point something billion dollars from the IMF a month ago. I guess it's their thirty pieces of silver. But they're reporting that he's like smearing human feces on the wall. I mean, he hasn't had any internet for Lord knows how long. He's got one treadmill, one cat, a bed, and it's uh, absolutely inhumane solitary confinement. And listen, the thing is too. I mean, how about dental care? How about health care? You know, like he has, when was the last time he got his teeth cleaned or scraped? You know, has he got blinding toothaches and agony and isolation? I mean, this is absolutely brutal and uh, and inhumane. And, uh, you know, part of me, part's just wondering if the guy's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take this next step because I could see the the giant pit of insanity that that staying in that room would have cost me. Right. And the, and the meta commentary or the meta observation of that is, all these people who live on the internet and cry about, oh, how mean it is on college campuses. It's like, okay, so you support free speech. You, nothing on Assange, though? That, to me, because you always you don't want to say that a person being silent 
on an issue is a tacit endorsement mm. because people are busy. You can't talk about everything. Maybe you don't even know something's happening, right? I've even had people say, well, how, how come you never even tweeted about this? I'm like, I didn't know about it. Like, uh, for example, there, there was um, some black churches burned down in Louisiana. I didn't know about it. And they're like, think they got me like checkmate. And I'm like, no, now that I know about it, I'm happy to tweet about it, right? So you can't just say you haven't talked about that, therefore you endorse it. But if you're following us obsessively and you're not talking about Ed Buck, then I can only conclude that, that you support tacitly what he did because you know about it and you're not saying anything about it and you're talking about things all day. That's the inference. Well, another way of looking at it is not even the tacit endorsement, although that may be the end goal, but just it's that instinct that, you know, like the butterflies know how to get down to Mexico and the geese know where they're going to fly south and all that. It's the instinct of, does this serve my team's goal for power, right? I mean, so, I mean, the Covington kids, sure. You know, you've got your native guy, you've got your, your black uh, preachers, the street preachers, and then you've got these, you know, peach fuzz kids with the MAGA hats. So you can really grind them. You can really pounce on them and you can scare the living hell out of young people for wearing MAGA hats. And uh, that's going to push back against Trump's very high approval ratings. And it's going to help your team hopefully get back into power through the White House and maintain their hold on Congress, you know, get the Senate if they can. Like it, that serves power. Ed Buck, whatever he's doing to these young men that has them turning uh, up the daisies, talking about that does not help your path to power. Yeah, and, and that's, again, where we are. We've talked about the four. We are just the Nietzschean beyond good and evil, where they don't, they don't have any morality. It is really all about power to them, and that's what makes them— that's what makes them the real threat to Western civilization is that they, they don't have morality. They don't have a sense of right and wrong. They only have a sense of they need to reclaim power so that they can do what? I, I don't know. I don't think it's very good what they want to do ba based on what they don't talk about and what they don't comment about. Like they don't comment about Antifa violence. They don't have a problem with violence. They don't have a problem. Th three Turning Point USA people on college campuses, one got firebombed, you know, they, and then of course it's never firebombed. It's always, oh, there was a fire. It was accidental. You know, somebody cooked a couple, you know, eggs in the microwave too long or something like that. There was a major instance where Michael Knowles went to give a talk in Missouri and somebody sprayed what he thought was bleach on him. And the, the chancellor sent out an email saying that he was a bad person. And you know, th there was just a protest, calm down. So the, the left really is pushing more and more for violence. CBS uh, tweeted out that, you know, cleared legal where they, they said it's time to just start beating people up with baseball bats and other things. One of the shows tweeted out. I was like, wait, wait a minute. This is CBS. That cleared legal. Well, that, that's what also, too, what I think about the left people, uh, uh, people in their brains inability to uh, have nuance and proportion is, is one thing, one of us tweets something. That's just us tweeting. Maybe we had a bad day, you know, maybe two or three glasses of wine or something. CBS tweets out a video advocating political violence from an official account, professionally shot, cleared, Scripted, production. acted, yeah. yeah, reviewed, signed off on, knowing that there was going to be some controversy, lawyer review, and they're just like, oh, is this going to get us suspended from Twitter? Not they're perfectly safe. Right. And, and that's where the left is right now. Every, at every level of the left, they endorse taking baseball bats or worse to people 
who they view as being Nazis, which as we now know includes anybody who voted for Trump or is even moderately conservative is now classified with that label. Well, it's anyone who's critical of the left. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not a conservative, I'm a voluntarist, but if you're critical of the left, then you're immediately in the Nazi camp and therefore, you know, and uh, yes, people are asking, oh, should Nazis just be allowed to wander around? It's like, I don't know, we got thousands of outright communists indoctrinating the young in universities. Communism killed more people than Nazism. So if you've got no problem with communists in universities, what on earth problem would you have with people who like Nazism in the streets? I don't like Nazism. I don't like communism. I don't think that the communists should be thrown in jail. And I don't think that Nazis should be hit with baseball bats. Well, and, and not only that, but there have always been... Two or four hundred Nazis in America. Yeah. The you know Skokie. This has all been happening. It was the media that decided to give all these people these glowing profiles and promote their events and everything like that. The, no, there would all of the domestic terrorism and stuff. The the left is that's the attention they've given it. They've showed people, hey, if you're a little you know, you're a little crazy in the head or whatever, well, we'll give you all this unlimited publicity and we'll give you infamy. If you just go do these things, if they just ignore these people, nobody would even know they existed. And most of the stuff that had happened never would have happened because nobody would know. Nobody would have cared. It was two or four hundred idiots. And the left, they, they're trying to create an enemy so that they can seize more and more power. Well, it's funny because until the last couple of years, I mean, other than one reference in the Blues Brothers movie about uh, the, uh, the Nazis, the Illinois Nazis, I really didn't know that there were Nazis. In fact, they were so rare that you could make them the butt of a joke in a Blues Brothers movie. Uh, I was taught by outright socialists, outright communists. When I was in college, they were right, like, right in your face. Like, this is what I believe. This is, you know, I want communism. I'm a communist and so on. But I never really heard of any Nazis, never met any Nazis. I saw people walking around with Karl Marx pins and, and Che Guevara t-shirts and so on. And Karl Marx was a monster and Che Guevara murdered children. Never saw anyone with any kind of Hitler button. Never heard anything about Nazis. Um, well, basically, since the, the end of the Second World War, as any vital or, or even remotely in social discourse political force. But now it's like they're, they're, you've got to carry a bat everywhere you go because there's just Nazis everywhere. Well, and not, and not only that, but I remember that they would always claim that I'm far right or this and that. And then the only time I knew what events were was on lefty Twitter, right? I, these people were so marginal that it would even percolate to my corner of the internet that so-and-so was having some kind of rally or whatever. But then the lefty people were like, oh, there's this rally, there's this event or whatever. They were the ultimate marketing agents. They've created way more harm by far while ignoring legitimate harm by, uh, you know, again, the Ed Buck thing. So it's kind of interesting. We start talking about Ed Buck, but... You, you know, we, we meander into media because it really, this is the perfect case to just show that the media, they really don't care. And they don't care about real issues. They don't even care about people being died. They don't even care about the people that they claim to care about. Otherwise, this Ed Buck thing, they would have, how, could you imagine, hounded Adam Schiff? Why were you with an event with Ed Buck? How long have you known him? Hounded Do you Tabitha? disavow? Oh, my, it would be unrelenting. And where are they? Where are they? They're pretending like it never even happened. Well, now, here's the thing that I've just sort of popped in my mind a couple of minutes ago. I'll let you know. Let, let me know what you think of it. So, um, I, as you know, I grew up with a mother who was very violent. And I remember at the time being kind of baffled because we, we, we grew up poor. I was in these 
uh, apartment buildings, and the apartment buildings had sort of thin walls and so on. So like everyone could hear the violence, right? And I do remember like, okay, nobody calls 911, nobody knocks on the door, nobody says what the hell's going on, who's being tortured or whatever, right? And what I realized when I got older is that my mom understood the world a hell of a lot better than I did. Because I was waiting for the cavalry, you know, someone was, and she was like, hey, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want because no one's going to lift a goddamn finger. Now, I keep thinking, okay, well, this is too far. You know, like the CBS video, there's a guy walking around saying we got to beat people, we got to punch people. It's like, that's political violence. It's straight up terrorism advocation as far as I can see. And I'm like, oh, this is going to, oh, man, this is, you know, something's going to be. And it's like, I wonder if, you know, it's a chilling thought. I shouldn't really laugh, but. I just wonder if, like, they understand the world a hell of a lot better than you and I, or me. I would say someone speak for you, but they understand the world better than I do because I keep waiting for this recoiling where people say, oh, my God, like, this, this is a bridge too far. And they march in with full confidence and, you know, there's some pushback, some pushback, but they keep gaining ground. Yeah, I think no, I think they want us in gulags. We we talked about this when I was doing hoax interviewing you, and yeah. my view is more solidified every day. Is show me some evidence that the left doesn't want Antifa to murder us. Show me some evidence that that the left wing media doesn't want Trump supporters to be murdered by Antifa and, and attacked and beat up and harmed. Show me some some contrary evidence, and there isn't. They they defend Antifa. They give them puff pieces. They're they're not um, going after the CBS thing. I googled the CBS thing. Nothing. There was a um, actor who called Candace Owens the N word. So what I like to do is so I googled that guy's name. He he was on Twitter and he called her you know the N word with the hard R. Nothing. No media coverage. It's like it didn't even happen. No consequences at all. Not even the, the media is like oh we'll just pretend this didn't really happen. So yeah, I'm, turning point. USA events, all this violence, nothing. There was an editorial in the Kansas City, um, City Star that said, the, with the Michael Knowles thing, it was, oh, a D-list celebrity got, you know, sprayed. Who cares? They were laughing at him and, and mocking him. So, yeah, the, the left, they do understand the world, and I understand the world, and that's why I take this kind of stuff quite seriously and, you know, had people arrested, and, you know, I probably had seven or eight people arrested. I don't even play around. You send some kind of thing my way, I don't, I'm, and I'm not going to think it's a joke. So any, any kind of violence, any kind of threats, any kind of thing that violates California law, I'm, I'm right at the police now because I do know the true evil of the left. And I do know what they would do if they were able to get away with it. Yeah, I mean, comparing something like this CBS vignette with Roseanne Barr's tweet and the level of outrage directed at Roseanne Barr's tweet that I think I had to read three or four times to even, like, I have a tough time even, like, there's some things you look at and you say, okay, that's offensive. Like, I, I, I'm not going to get hysterical about it, but I get that that's offensive. I remember reading Roseanne Barr's thing. It's like, okay, so they go from here to here to here and then here, and that's when they get offended. But it's kind of like mapping something in the dark, you know, like if you navigate a room with complicated furniture and pitch blackness, it's like, you can get there, but it's not particularly easy. And compare that to, I mean, dead young black man in this guy's apartment. I mean, it's just, he might as well set up a full-time graveyard in his living room. Yeah, I'm always able to see 
the other person's side. Okay, the Roseanne thing. I think it's a disproportionate reply. I don't think she intended it that way. She said it. The I to me is more the the bigger issue we ha- have is like proportionality, where nobody's like, well, that was a dumb thing you said. Why did you say that? And you go, ah, that kind of was a dumb thing. I took too many Ambien. I was an idiot. I won't do it again. Okay, don't do it again. You know, we're gonna be watching you, kind of thing. That's a proportional response to something like that. Whereas two people dying in a park, you're like, holy effing S-H-I-T, this is a serious thing. This is like a potential serial killer. We need to all go figure this thing out. That's the proportional response to something like that. But instead we get, we have to destroy Rosanna Runner out of town and Ed Buck, eh, who cares? What's the big deal? He's just doing his thing. Everybody's got their kink. Oh, sorry, it's not funny, but it's like everyone's got their kink. Okay, that's fine, but this is not the beat me, eat me, eat me licorice whip. Whip. This is potentially injecting young men and watching them die in your living room. That's a little bit more than a kink, as you know. And and so, if it is, of course, that there's just this rapid fire, base of the brain reptilian calculation of does this serve my lust for power? Well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm always trying to sort of stand back from the brink because I really do want to have the willpower to, to continue to reason with the world and to attempt to avert this, what seems to be an accelerating uh, disaster, which you tweeted about a day or two ago, like, you know, the, the fall of the West. Like if, if we don't make it, if we don't make it, if we can't find some way back to negotiating and, and reasoning with each other and, and if this escalation continues, it's... It's sort of like those kids who SWAT, you know, like this someone kid just went to jail for a while, a long while now, because, you know, you, this, oh, it's so funny. It's like, dude, this is like, you're not, you're not sending a prank. This is not a prank. This is like, this is like guys with weaponry descending on a house in the dark. Like this is, this, this consequence free reality is, is really terrifying because those of us who can see the consequences of the continued escalation are looking at a level of human suffering that has never before been seen in in humanity yeah there, there's a glibness and that was you know the, the glibness we could probably do a whole episode on that and that's why i mentioned that streamer earlier you know somebody pulling a gun on someone while they're streaming and they're like stand your ground these people are going to try to start a fight with us we can stand our ground in florida it's like no you can't you can't pull a gun on people that's a a thing that isn't uh you know dropping a bomb or you know being a little edgy or something and you also saw that with like Ilhan Omar's thing. Oh, you know, some people did something. It, it's just a glibness. I don't think she's actually pro-jihad or pro-terror. I just think in her mind, she doesn't appreciate, she doesn't have any seriousness in her life. No gravitas. She never run a business. She never, you know, had to, am I going to make payroll this month? You know, did I make a huge mistake? She's never actually been a productive member of society. And because of that, to her, it's just like, oh, this thing kind of like happened. And it's the same thing with these, you know, people who swat others. Like, oh, yeah, we're just on the internet. No, this is a this is a real thing, real consequences, real impact in the world. And there's like an almost an entire generation that doesn't fully appreciate that. And and that includes most of the the left wing, you know, Antifa bloggers. They don't get it. They don't get like me, I've been in violent situations. This is not nice. If somebody tried to start a fight with me, I'd be like, hey, man, we cool. You know, I would talk it down so fast because I know what can happen when things get violent. And they don't have any any understanding of what we're trying to preserve here. We're the ones trying to keep the peace. 
We're the ones trying to avoid that to happen because we know once once that Rubicon is crossed, nobody wins. Because you don't, you know, even if you're on the winning side, you're going to have losses and lose friends and everything else. So even if you win, you don't win. Well, this is the thing I've thought about a lot. So I'm I'm glad we're we're tripping over this, Mike, because I think about like to me it's kind of like LARPing, you know. Like uh, I I do think that a lot of the people on the left genuinely do believe that they're approach their goal or whatever will help the poor and of course I want to help the poor you want to help the poor I want a system where people get health care as reasonably or cheaply or free through charity as possible we want a sustainable society we want to protect the environment we have disagreements about how to get there and but the problem is when you believe that someone else is just stone evil which is you know I, I go back and forth with the hard left and and so right now I'm in a more charitable because I've been thinking a lot about Christianity but I think some of them, like, they've swallowed the propaganda, you know, they believe that, I don't know, people like you and I just, I don't know, why do we want to watch the world burn or something like that? But no, we want a good world. We want a good world for our children. We want reasonable differences to be resolved with with discourse. Uh, I'm a philosopher, so I want the Socratic method. I want reason and evidence to hold sway. But this idea that you can just start playing around with violence you know like ah you know let's just throw let's just phone in a threat let's just you know let's just stand there and chant something provocative you know like it's sort of like dabbling in satanism if you believe in satan kind of thing it's like yeah okay maybe you'll summon something and maybe you won't like it so much because the history is always very clear that the first round of leftists are generally the abstract theoreticians right the next round of leftists are the people who start pushing the envelope of violence and then they open up this portal and this portal, through this portal pour the true psychopaths, like the people who will just as soon kill you as, as look at you, and the sadists and the Julius Streichers from the Third Reich and the, the sexual sadists and the, the people who will torture you and like the, the, the true, absolute anti-life, base of the brain, predatory nihilism of the human condition. And the, f- the first people that they go for are the people who open the portal. Like this is the kind of thing that they, they'll play with all this stuff. They'll summon forth people far worse than they are who will say, well, thanks for the invite. But you know what happens in video games and movies. The guy who summons the demon is the first guy to get his head bitten off. And so they will not have what they want. They won't have power. They'll have a grave. And they won't have Twitter to follow because there won't be any electricity and there won't be computers and there won't be video games and there may not be food and there won't be water. And, you know, it's back to that horrible vision in Fight Club, you know, where, you know, the, the, the city is empty and you're hunting deer in the Grand Canyon uh, by the uh, Empire State Building. And it is a horrible existence because literally billions of humans' of, uh, lives are supported by this incredible infrastructure that we've built, which is dependent upon us being reasonable with each other. Because nothing that we have built as a civilization can survive any general commitment to violence. Like, it will vanish like that. Like that. And I'm yeah. just, they don't, they don't know what they're playing with. They don't know what they're unraveling. They don't know the wax that they're taking at the base of the structure. And I know, you know, we've seen it in history. We've seen it across the world. We're going to talk about billions of lives that are going to die if we can sustain any kind of rationality and discourse in our civilization, we can see it. And it's almost like it's like some, some monkey with a machine gun, you know, that doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know what he's summoning and, and the effects of what feels kind of cool and edgy 
and where it leads. Yeah, and they and they have it thought through too that they America's the first time that you've had the left try to enslave a populace that's armed. So yeah, I've always thought of like the world we're living in as a, as a simulation and the, the simulation we're running is what happens when the totalitarians go after people who are actually armed because that's never happened. The totalitarians, uh, you know, Hitler and Stalin and all the intellectual predecessors to the left or so-called intellectual predecessors to the left, Pol Pot, they all went after an unarmed population. So these people on the left are saying, we're going to put your children into gulags. Oh, and by the way, you're the vets. You're, you're the people who have served in the infantry. You're the people who know how to use weapons. You're the, but we're going to somehow enslave you and your family. They, they haven't even thought through a past one move. And for me, the way I look at it is, even though I know my side would win, I like gourmet coffee. I like bookstores. I like we're talking on Skype. You lose all of this. Even if your your side is the winning team, you then you have to rebuild, and you're thinking, oh my, rebuild, right? We we should be in Mars by now. Where where are the, where are the flying cars or whatever? And we're gonna have to rebuild because these idiots on the left want to create some kind of civil war. That that isn't an appealing thing to me. There was even a, a fellow um, on Joe Rogan, the, an ex Navy SEAL, and you could tell that he wasn't uh, a, a right wing guy necessarily, but he when he was saying that they're getting tired of patriots in America are just getting tired of what the left is doing and how the left is trying to incite a civil war. And so the, the people who are actually tough are the ones who don't, don't want to fight. And it's the people who would lose badly who want to fight because the people who are actually tough know that we should be 10 years from now, I want a more advanced civilization. I don't want us rebuilding the rubble. Well, and the people who don't want to fight are very nice until they're not. And the people who don't want to fight, if you actually push them to a fight, they will be merciless because they have tried everything they can do to avoid a fight. And that to me is a good conscience situation. It's like what you were saying about talking down people. I've talked down people from violent situations before. And the reason you do that is partly for your own conscience. So that if for some reason it's impossible to do so, then you can let rip and know that you did everything humanly possible to avoid it. But if you're cornered in that way, and all of your reasonable entreaties to peace and negotiation have been bypassed, scorned, attacked, escalated, then when you finally do resign yourself to what you have to do, uh, boy, you know, I, I just, that, that is not a video game. It's not, and it's not a world that, like, that's the thing. I, I hate that. It's not that any of us want. We we love civilization. We're, we're the ones saying, no, no, we want to be more advanced. Why is it that when people come to America, no one says, or like when people visit America, no one says, America, that's the future. People say to. that. They go to, yeah, they go to Singapore. Oh, wow, look what they're doing in Singapore. Oh, Japan. Every friend of mine who goes to Japan says the same thing. I thought I was like living in a video game. I thought I was living in the future. I can't believe how advanced it is. Nobody's saying about that America, and that's why I want people who come visit America to say, wow, this country is really doing um, amazing things. And instead, rather than us being more technologically advanced, more medically advanced in 10 years in the West, it, it is. We're declining, and any kind of sudden jolt that the left is trying to initiate is going to make us decline any, even more. Do you think it's just as simple as a death wish in insofar as if you are regularly – 
striking at the base of the civilizational infrastructure that keeps you alive? Is it is it like the guy who's just sawn away on the branch, you know, where he's sawn away uh, on the tree side of, of where he's sitting? Is it just a kind of suicide? I mean, it's hard to sort of picture because life is so great and glorious and fun and wonderful and exciting. I just wonder if it's like their life is just unbearable. And I don't know, like to create the conditions of the self-destruction of everything you hold dear, if you hold anything dear, it's just, it is kind of incomprehensible to me. Well, I, I think they really are, you know, satanic or demonic or something. I've read articles about me and I thought 5,000 words about me and it's just vitriol. Mm. And I'm thinking, I can't imagine being that mad about anyone. And what, you know, I always think, what kind of life are you living that you're sitting around being angry about me all of the time? That That's your life. And, and you notice they don't have families. They don't have, mm. you know, they have anything to live for, really. They're just angry people hanging around with other angry people. And there is a component of just their nihilism. There is, I've said before, the left is a death cult. And again, I've seen nothing from them to indicate that they're not a death cult. I've been saying this for years and they're behaving more and more and more like a death cult. And the death cult, they're just nihilistic. And to them, good and evil doesn't matter. To them, life or death doesn't matter. And to people like us, beacons of light, we we want life. We, we want life for them. I feel bad for that. You know, Shauna is maybe not quite as nice as I'm. I'm like, man, I feel bad for these people. I'm like, what kind, you know, what kind of life are you living where you're just mad at me all day thinking about how angry you are? Well, but, and I feel like, and she goes, but they're bad people. I go, I don't I know, but that's not how I view it. I view it as... You know, come out to the light, L you know, live a good life. Um, you can judge me. You can write about me now and then. But the sheer level of hatred and demonicness is what is disturbing. Uh, hatred of the good for being the good is is the way that Ayn Rand would, would talk about it. And, it, you know, I mean, I, I see the, the, the adorable and wonderful little videos that you post of your daughter and so on. And it's like, well, who, who wouldn't want that? I mean, like, well, but I guess it's the people who feel they can't have it. So it has to be destroyed or they... They don't deserve it, and therefore nobody else can have it. It's really tragic. Well, listen, let's let's close off. I really appreciate it. It's a great discussion. Let's close off with the two film projects past and, I guess, just going on at the moment. So just tell people a little bit about Hoax and how to get it and what's going on with the new movie. Yeah, Hoax has now been seen in 106 countries, which is hard to believe. I, I thought it would do well. It succeeded expectations thanks to you, thanks to you and others. And you can go to hoaxedmovie.com and get it there. And then as a follow-up, while we were waiting, because Hoax got jammed up with an insurance policy and a whole bunch of just really boring stuff, we went into production on a documentary about foreign influence and you know all these think tanks and who's funding it. And I think people will find it quite interesting that a lot of what you see on the news or that you hear from think tanks is being funded by foreign nations and who are who's doing it and how much money is really going around and that's called blood money and people can watch that on youtube for free fantastic well uh is that is that out at the moment because i know you just had the launch mm -hmm. right yeah yeah that's available publicly on youtube now okay so hoaxed movie everything the media tells you is <laughs> open to question is, is a nice way to put it it's a fantastic documentary with some real luminaries uh, and, and free thinkers. Uh, it's not a left-right film. It's not a conservative liberal film. It's a truth versus illusion film, which is one of the reasons I love it so much. And so, yeah, hoaxedmovie.com. Check that out. Uh, it's a couple of bucks to to rent. And, you know, sit down with people. You'll have great conversations about it afterwards. I guarantee that. And, yeah, 
We'll put the link to the new movie below. Uh, Michael, it was a pleasure. Don't forget to check out Guerrilla Mindset, Sinovich.com. I'm Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure.